Hello, everyone. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Point of Insanity Game Studios Geekery in General Podcast. I am Al, and joining me today, my friend Chad. How's it going, Chad? It's going really good, Al. That's good. And, you know, when we were talking before we started recording, I, I realized that, and I didn't think about this, uh, we're about at the two-year mark for the, the podcast. Because I remember last year around this time, I did um, the, you know, my friend Steve and I talked about Halloween, and that was also kind of the one-year anniversary thing. And now this episode is actually going to drop after Halloween, so early oh, November. Okay. Oh, well, then, congratulations, sir. Well, thank you. Um, yep, so the it's going to be going after Halloween, but... I don't know. It's like for me, Halloween, even like into early November, there's still kind of that Halloween spirit because, uh, you know, it's not quite to Thanksgiving yet. A lot of people still have their Halloween decorations up. And, you know, of course, you go to your retail stores and, you know, now all the Halloween costumes and decorations are on clearance for like 75% off. Yeah, and all the Halloween candy. That's the best part. When all the Halloween candy's on sale. <laughs> exactly. And, you know, in a way, it's kind of like Christmas. You know, Christmas doesn't really end on December 25th. You know, you usually, you know, for the next week or so, at least around here anyway. Oh, yeah. Through the first of the year, that's pretty much, that's Christmas. I mean, and then you get back into the doldrums of winter and work and... <laughs> yeah, the some people have a name for uh, the first Monday in... Uh, of the new year uh people like to call it blue monday the most depressing day of the year because you know the it's the you know you're getting back into work you know if you were off on vacation right uh, you know that that christmas spirit that energy is kind of died down you know all the credit card bills from all the the christmas gifts you've that you've bought are you know starting to pile up and there was this one picture on Facebook that I think said it best. On the top part, it had like a happy snowman and a brightly lit up Christmas tree. And it said, December, oh, you know, a, a, a brilliant winter land of wonder and cheer. And then the the panel below it, the snowman was all half melted and, um, you know, sad and the... Uh, you know, the Christmas tree, the lights had fallen off and all the needles were falling off. And it's like Feb- um, January and February, a big, long, cold bucket of suck. Well, and, and you know, it really is because, and, and it, everybody varies, but you get off time for Thanksgiving, you get off time for Christmas. You know, you kind of you kind of run the gambit. September, you get an extra day off for, uh, for uh, Labor Day. Then you get a day off, or I get um, actually four days off for Thanksgiving because we get Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Yeah, same here with my job. <laughs> We're lucky. And then, and then, you know, Christmas comes around. Now, for my job, I only get Christmas off, which this year kind of works out because it falls on a Sunday. So I actually get Monday off. So I get three days at Christmas instead of just the one. And the same thing for New Year's this year because it lands on a Sunday. I get the following Monday off. So um, especially this year, there's there's a lot of extra or at least it'll feel like a lot of extra time that you get off. And then and even for the schools, then it's you are in school, you're in work, whatever, from January through, you know, Easter in April. <laughs> yeah, that's right. There's no other than like Valentine's Day. 
there's not really much holiday cheer in that time time of the calendar. You know, even Valentine's Day. I mean, if you're single or and you know you're you're not you don't have a girlfriend or a spouse or a significant other, it's Valentine's Day kind of loses its meaning, I guess, or it's not. It's it's harder to get energized for. Right. And, you know, and even in cases like my wife and I, we don't really celebrate Valentine's Day. I mean, we'll get each other a card, but that's about it. You know, it's not a big it's not a big holiday because we both have April birthdays. So it's like, eh, you know, over the years, it's just gotten less and less and less. Yeah. As, so, as, as my father-in-law called it, it's one of the high holy days of obligation. You know, sweetest day, Thanksgiving, you know, like sweetest day, Christmas birthday and valentine's day and it was actually kind of funny uh not long after i got married i was visiting my my wife's parents and um my mother-in-law was like well what'd you get me for sweetest day and my father-in-law is like and take note of this guys if you're if you're uh you know your wife or girlfriend um you know or significant other husband boyfriend whatever if uh they complain that you know you didn't get him anything for sweetest day in the words of my father-in-law you're married to me. Every day is sweetest day. <laughs> so, well, we've talked about a bunch of holidays, but let's go into today's topic. So we're making kind of a strange transition here, going from talking about, you know, Christmas and Easter and Valentine's Day to Satan. Specifically, we're going to be talking about the Satanic Panic. And I think since it's, it's still kind of around that Halloween-y time of year, I mean, we're recording this before Halloween, but... Um, it's still, I think, a good time to talk about it, and it's a, it's an, a topic I've wanted to discuss on the show for quite some time. I just never got a chance to get around to it. It's one of those topics when you brought it up to me, I was like, you know, that would be a damn good topic to talk about because it is something as role players that we both live through to a certain degree, and it's something that um. Every gamer knows about it. Doesn't matter if you've been gaming for two years or thirty years. You've you've heard about it. Yep, but you might not necessarily really understand it. The Satanic Panic. It. Uh, and again, for those of you who didn't live through it, it was crazy, and it enveloped not just role playing games, but horror movies and heavy metal music. Now. Back when I was younger, you know, not only I wasn't really a horror movie fan, but I was into heavy metal and I was into Dungeons and Dragons. So, you know, like I said, I got to witness a lot of this stuff. And the Satanic Panic, it did start to die down around the late 80s, early 90s. It sprang back up a little bit when the Harry Potter books became popular because, of course, you had those concerned groups that thought that. You know, Harry Potter was going to, you know, turn kids to witchcraft and, you know, all, devil worship and all these other things. And it's like, and, uh, well, let's start with the first thing because both of us have had very different experiences around that time. So I probably witnessed a little bit more than you uh, because, like I said, I I had the the advantage if you want to call it that, of not only being a role player, but also being into heavy metal. So why don't, do you want to talk a little bit about your uh, experience during the Satanic Panic first? Sure, I, I can do that. So for me, what what happened for me is I had never role played, all right? I, I didn't know what it was. 
a buddy of mine in school at the time uh, lived down the road, and he invited us over one night, and it was kind of crappy outside. You know, it was fall. It was cold. It was – he didn't really want to play outside, but we played outside for a little while, and then we went in the house, and he's like, you guys want to play Dungeons & Dragons? And we're like, what's Dungeons & Dragons, you know? In my mind, I'm thinking we're going downstairs. We're going to beat on each other with sticks, you know, like we did outside, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> kind of thing. And uh, so we go downstairs, and he's like, "Here, you be, you be." And I don't even remember what it was, but I do remember the setting. The setting was Alcadium, which was second edition, um, which it's is Arabic, a, um, Arabic, yeah, Arabian Arabic Nights type setting. feel. Yep. And. We sat downstairs and we played for like three hours. It was fun. I mean, it didn't grasp me. It didn't. It didn't pull me in like later. Whenever somebody asked me when I started role playing, I always tell them I was eighteen years old. It was nineteen ninety four. I mean, but it was fun. You know, the guy he told a he told a wacky story, and we were fighting gins, and we were fighting. You know, uh, we were riding camels and fighting gins, kind of thing. You know, and. Uh, you know, I didn't think much of it. I went home and I'm talking to my mom and she's like, oh, what'd you do at Dan's house? And I'm like, we played Dungeons and Dragons. And my mother flipped out. She started yelling at me. She started telling me I was I was worshiping Satan. I was going to hell. I was going to all this stuff. And and the the ultimate play out from that is for the next four years, I was not allowed to go to Dan's house. <laughs> <laughs> You know, and so as a kid, you know, that was probably who 86, 87. So I was in that 10, 11 year old range, you know, and and it was at that time, you know, I was like, I felt bad. I mean, I went to church. You know, we were we were Catholics. I, I went to church. I went to confession. I confessed that I played this game. And, you know, even to this day, the priest kind of looked at me kind of weird, like, OK, you know, <laughs> but. It was just one of those things where, you know, I thought I had done something wrong. I had thought, you know, and so I wanted nothing to do with it. I went all the way through middle school, all the way through high school, and I never played. And I didn't start playing until I got to college. And at that point, I was rebellious, you know, because I was 18 years old and I can do whatever the hell I want because I'm 18 kind of thing. And somebody asked me to play and I started playing and, well... As, as they say, the rest, uh, you know, the rest is history. history. So that was my one real impact of the Santanic Panic until I felt it a little bit in the 90s because people would be like, hey, what are you guys doing? And we're like, we're playing Dungeons and Dragons. And they're like, do you drink baby's blood? And we're like, only if it's chilled, you know, because we were just <laughs> that kind of group that was like, you know what? If you're going to spout stupid stuff, we're going to spout stupid stuff right back to you. Yeah. So, I mean, but that was always, that was never as traumatizing to me as it was when my mother just, you know, went off on me. (laughs) Yeah, and for me, I got into role-playing games because of my older cousin and the, uh, one of our family friends. Because when I was younger, you know, whenever we went to their house, you know, sometimes they would have to watch me and my sister because they were, you know, a little bit older than us and supposedly a little more responsible, but, and they would play Dungeons and Dragons. So I remember when I was young sitting and watching these 
you know, kids who are like five years older than me, you know, playing D and D and talking about, you know, wizards and elves and dwarves. And I thought it was really cool. And I eventually started to get into it. Um, my parents, yeah, and I said, we, we, they never really cared or got into it. So, and I think the reason that they never really cared is, well, first, I didn't really, really start getting into it until the tail end of the Satanic Panic. Uh, it would have been in the late 80s. Okay. And also, well, the people that I was hanging out with and playing D&D with in middle school and high school, they weren't troublemakers. And whenever, you know, as long as I told them, okay, this is where I'm going and I'll probably be back around this time. They were cool with it. I kept my grades up at a decent level. I wasn't a straight A student, but I was, you know, not definitely not failing. Right. I held down a part time job after school. So I had proved that I was responsible and I communicated with them to let them know where I was going to be and what I was going to be doing. So, you know, I guess that's why they never really cared because my grades weren't suffering, my social skills weren't suffering. And I have one friend, she mentioned that when her mother found out she was playing D&D, um, one of her her mother's friends was like, oh, you should like, you know, you, you can't let her do that. It's going to lead her in this, this world of satanic nightmare. And well, <laughs> her mother actually did something pretty cool. She sat down and played a session of D&D with her uh, daughter and her friends. Oh, and she's okay. like, well, it encouraged teamwork, cooperation, and imagination. Uh, people are where's the problem yeah exactly well it actually depends who you ask now let's go back to the satanic panic and again this was in the early 80s and there were there was one key event that really led up to the satanic panic now before we were recording we were discussing uh for the topic on on facebook uh you mentioned the movie Mazes and Monsters. It's it's a movie that I'm sure Mr. Tom Hanks would prefer that we all forget about. You know, actually, the first time I watched the movie, I really didn't look at it from the point of view that, uh, you know, it was based around gaming. I looked at it more as a social adaptation of something, and I thought it was kind of a good movie. Now, it's not the best put together movie it's not the highest budget movie but i thought you know this kind of works into the psyche of people and how they interact with each other Mm -hmm. and then you know as i got more and more into role playing i went you know this is an attack on role playing and that's what the movie is now i own the movie because every once in a while it's a good laugh and now if you watch the movie and you go my god that guy laughs at it you're not a gamer because if you're a gamer, you're going to look at it and you're going to laugh because they make the stereotypes so broad and so bigger than what they ever really were, at least that I've ever seen. You know, I've never seen people do that, you know, do the things that they do in the mo- movie. Like they, um, they, they move the game into a, into a, um, what was it? A cave. They yeah. move the game into a cave and then they start uh, live action role playing. Um, based on their characters and then you know and then one of the guys gets lost in the cave and and he's lost in his world he's become his character in his mind and it's just you know and it's just silly because 
any any gamer I know, if they saw another gamer going to that extreme, to that uh, depth of of mental uh, anguish, Stability. yeah, they would stop it. They would they would take this person aside and say, "You shouldn't be doing this." Exactly, and and as the movie, okay, spoiler alert for a, a movie that is quite old. Um, and at the end of the movie, what happens is he, you know, basically Tom Hanks's character, he was going to jump off the top of one of one of the World Trade Center buildings because you find out that his older brother had disappeared around Halloween. And I think he, it's been a while since I've uh, seen the movie, but he was going to jump off because he thought that would allow him to rejoin his friends or his brother. And then you know, his friends stop him and then he basically lives the rest of his life in psychiatric care. So it's kind of like this message of, you know, if you play Dungeons and Dragons, you're going to go insane. And you, and you know, that was actually based on a real event. Okay. So that I was not aware of. I mean, I knew the satanic, satanic panic came up around something, but I guess I never had the, the desire to, uh, Go and see what it was. And then when we first, you know, talked about this, you know, uh, what, a week ago that we were going to do this, you know, I could have went and looked, but you're like, I want I want to tell you about it. And I'm like, okay, so I haven't. Um, other than, you know, Mazes and Monsters, it sounds like it might be based on something. But um, what I was going to say is I, I, I looked at our good friend, the Internet, here, and Mazes and Monsters was made in 1982. So any spoiler alerts you put out there, I think we're okay. Yeah. <laughs> but there was an event that inspired it. Uh, what had happened is in the late 70s, there was a young man named James uh, Dallas Egbert. And he was a child prodigy, extremely intelligent, and he went to college at age 16. And while he was in college, he got involved in playing Dungeons and Dragons and role-playing games. So uh, eventually he would, well, it was found out that the the students at this college would play D&D in the steam tunnels underneath the campus. And what happened was um, he disappeared. And it was speculated that Dungeons and Dragons had something to do with it. So what happened is his parents had hired an investigator named William Deere, and he eventually wrote a a book about it called The Dungeon Master. Now, I remember reading it in college because one of my martial arts instructors, I played D&D with him, and he had the... uh, you know, he had the, the book and he lent, he uh, let me borrow it. And uh, from what I understand, he did embellish some things in there a little bit. But I remember one scene, and, you know, we might kind of think this sounds kind of goofy today, but you got to remember, this was taking place in the late 70s. So Dungeons and Dragons at this time wasn't that old. And I think that's one of the reasons why it was so easy to, for a lot of these satanic panic claims to get so overblown is because since role-playing games as a hobby and an industry was still in its infancy, there wasn't a lot of information about it. But right. um, anyways, 
I remember this one scene from the Dungeon Master, or not scene, this one chapter, since he didn't really know much about Dungeons and Dragons, he put an ad in the local paper and he had a couple of college students come to the hotel he was staying at and run him through a game of Dungeons and Dragons. And I remember he wasn't sure what he was going to expect. It's like, okay, would these kids come to my hotel dressed like wizards or elves? And they showed up at his hotel and they looked like just a couple normal kids. They were in jeans and t-shirts. Exactly. So... (laughs) Uh, eventually, what happened was uh, James had made his way down to New Orleans, and it turned out that he was uh, suffering from depression and that he also um, had experimented with drugs. And the reason he ran away is he had tried killing himself, but his suicide attempt failed. And he made his way down to New Orleans and eventually... Uh, William Deere went down there to go pick him up. And uh, sadly, uh, James did end up killing himself uh, a few years, you know, a couple years later. It, it wasn't much, it wasn't very long after this incident occurred. But when that story hit the news, the person who wrote Mazes and Monsters, you know, was like, okay, there's got to be a, you know, there's a story behind this. So um, the person who wrote it, uh, Stephen... Uh, Hillard Stern, I'm sorry, he was the director of the movie, um, the author, just a moment, looking it up, uh, Rona Jaffe. When, you know, she was like, heard about this case and was like, oh, that's that's a good idea for a story. So um, she wrote the novel within a few days' time because she wanted to jump on that event and get the story out there before anyone else could. So that's that's what led us to Mazes and Monsters. And like I said, it became kind of a cheesy movie where I'm sure Tom Hanks would really prefer that we kind of all forget about it. You know, if I ever meet Tom Hanks, I'm going to be like, so what do you think of Mazes and Monsters? <laughs> if I ever meet him and I have my I have it on VHS, if I ever meet Tom Hanks, I'm going to and if I have that on me, I'm going to go Mr. Hanks, will you please sign this for me? And hopefully he doesn't, like, punch me in the face. <laughs> yeah, he stabs you in the eye. <laughs> yeah, exactly. With, the, with, your, it, with your felt pen. Yep. Well, the damage was already done, though, because around this time, one of the things, and, and you probably don't really remember this, because from what I understand, you didn't get into D&D until 2nd edition. Correct. And... I remember playing in basic in first edition and in the first edition monster manuals, there were demons and devils and there was the nine hells and the abyss when in second edition though, they took out the demons and devils and it gave them different names. And one of the reasons they did that is because of the backlash from the, you know, the religious right that was claiming that Dungeons and Dragons was promoting, you know, Satanism and, you know, the occult and stuff. Oh, like I said, I mean, I, I don't know where to go with this because like I said, there's just so much we can talk about with this topic. And I mean, do you remember seeing like, for example, the Geraldo Rivera um, special on uh, satanic, I don't, I don't remember what it was called, if it, uh, it may have been called like satanic ritual abuse because that is that is a real I thing. Ring a bell for me, but 
Okay. Um, but yeah, he did do a, you know, one of his investigative pieces on that, and he had some people from the Church of Satan come in, and um, you know, he had other people. He even got Ozzy Osbourne on in an interview. And I remember seeing that, and he was trying to make Ozzy say that he felt responsible for some of the satanic killings that were happening, which I'll, I'll get to in a minute. And, you know, Ozzy very wisely avoided those traps. And he's like, you know, no, I got some songs that, you know, have the devil in them, but I'm not trying to tell people to, I don't, don't tell people to go worship Satan or to hurt themselves. And, you know, it's like quite the opposite when I want people to come to my shows and have a good time. Right, right. And, and any any person that that is an entertainer, that's exactly what you want. There was a situation where someone had committed suicide and they the 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 kid's parents thought it was because of Judas Priest. Um there was oh, Yes. You've heard about that? Oh yeah, the hungry was it Hungry Like a Wolf? No, um Better by You, Better by Me was the name of the song, which wasn't okay. actually a Judas Priest song. It was actually a cover. But there was a stand-up comedian. He was making fun of the people who thought that you know Judas Priest was putting lyrics in their music to make him kill themselves. He's like, now I can just picture the members of Judas Priest sitting around going, you know, I don't think I want to be a rock star anymore. I'm tired of traveling the world and, you know, all these beautiful women throwing themselves at us and playing arenas and making, you know, $5 million a night. What should we do? And then, yeah, I can just imagine one of the other band members like, I know, let's put subliminal messages in our in our songs and tell all our fans to go kill themselves. And that it's like, great. oh, that's a great idea. Then I can go back to my day job selling shoes. <laughs> You know, and, and the funny thing is, is the one thing you said in there that makes me go, well, maybe this is plausible, is the lead singer of Judas Priest was gay. So he probably didn't want the women throwing themselves at him. I don't know. I mean, like I said, I, I, I don't know. I mean, don't get me wrong. I respect Rob Halford. He's done a, a lot for metal. And yeah, I mean, I know he's I know he's gay, but um, I mean, I, <laughs> I don't. I was trying to make a joke there. Okay, and, so. and you're right. Judas Priest is one of those bands that has done a lot for, uh, for, for metal. I, I do. I would call myself a, a. Uh, see, I Casual. grew up. I was a glam rock guy. Okay, but I do enjoy metal on occasion. It's not my everyday go-to type of music, but there are some bands, you know, Metallica. Judas Priest, um, and you might laugh at me this for this one, but Twisted Sister. You know, I was about to go there because back when there was the all these hearings about um, about heavy metal music and it being excessive and pornographic, mm -hmm. D. Snyder went to testify, and he went dressed in his stage clothing. Nice. Don't I mean <laughs> I'm not not really a huge Twisted Sister guy, but I respect D. Snyder a lot. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I I enjoyed them for the humor of it all. Because they were really they were really making fun of heavy metal bands. You know, and and it, to me, you know, it, it was fun because it was heavy metal, but it wasn't it wasn't dark. You know, they were having fun with it. Yeah. I mean, who Come on. You know the video for what was it? We're not going to take it. Oh yes, with uh, the guy from Animal House. Um, 
Oh, what was his name? Uh, he was the big jerk in Animal House, but he played the dad in that in that video. Okay, Is that yeah. what you're talking about? Not not John Belushi. No, 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 no. It was he was one of the guys from the Delta or from the from the Jock House. Okay, Niedermeyer. Nita, the guy who played Niedermeyer was um, was the dad in that in that video, and it was hilarious. Yeah, and you know, because with heavy metal, not only was it you know attacked for being you know satanic because you had groups like you know Slayer and um, you know King Diamond and stuff that you know would have some of these darker lyrics, but I know there was also they were attacking what I I think they called it the slut rock, where it was more about you know, uh, very sexual imagery in their music. Right. And I mean, and some of this stuff was just so out of control. And one of the reasons why it's so perfect to talk about it around this time of year. And we mentioned this a little bit when we were talking about Halloween on, um, on your uh, show, whose podcast is it anyway? And the Halloween gaming, I think we mentioned it too, is that there's a number of urban legends about Halloween. Oh, absolutely. You know, one of them was the whole idea that, you know, there were, you know, there were satanic cults that were, they were capturing, kidnapping girls and getting them pregnant so they could breed babies that would, you know, be sacrificed to the devil and supposedly animal shelters wouldn't, you know, wouldn't adopt black cats or black dogs during the, the month of October and just... You know, and that one I understand does have some truth to it. There are some places they will not adopt black cats around this time of year. And I guess I get it. But on, on the same token, if if um, a cultist guy, you know, this this Satan cultist, he goes, "Oh, they won't uh, they won't give them to me in October. I'll just go in September." Exactly. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't really, you know, it, it, if they have any foresight at all, it's not going to stop them. Yep, exactly, and. You know, I remember another particular figure that was in the whole satanic panic was Patricia Pulling, and she formed a group, Bad, bothered about Dungeons and Dragons. And so, like I said, I'm going to read an exact quote from her. Oh, this ought to be good. Yeah. The reason that she became this anti-D&D crusader is because her son committed suicide, and he was a Dungeons and Dragons player. So she believed his suicide was directly related to the to the game, and she act, she filed a lawsuit against the school principal, um, and then I think she even tried to file a lawsuit against TSR, and she would she would hire herself out, I guess, as an expert witness in cases involving satanic ritual abuse and, you know, the horrors of Dungeons and Dragons. So so what you're saying, from what I'm hearing, is she used her son's death, death to uh, make some money? Yeah, I mean, I know she, she did write a b- couple of books about it, and she did have those appearances. I'm not sure how much money that she made. But I am going to read a quote on how she described D&D. Oh, this is... Okay. D&D is a fantasy role-playing game which uses demonology, witchcraft, voodoo, murder, rape, blasphemy, suicide, assassination, insanity, sex perversion, homosexuality, prostitution, satanic-type rituals, gambling, 
barbarism, cannibalism, sadism, desecration, demon summoning, necromatics, divination, and other teachings. <laughs> She said that. To, to be honest with you, I don't know which is funnier, the way you read it or what she said. <laughs> exactly. And it's like, and here's another thing that I know is going to make you laugh, considering that you're a big Lovecraft fan. Oh, okay. I, I guess in one of her books that she wrote, she thought the Necronomicon was a real book. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It was It was written by the Mad Arab. Yeah. Uh, in like 1100. Um, it was it was bound in human skin, and it tells you how to uh, you know do all these evil things and oh summon Cthulhu because you know he's real exactly. And, you know, <laughs> see, I, I get it. I get that there are people out there that have mental instabilities, and a game like Dungeons and Dragons with the wrong person could cause problems. I see that, but then again. Like I said, everybody I've ever played with, if all of a sudden Chad started going around trying to cast spells, and Chad went around and started talking about, you know, all these things within the game as if they're real, my friends would be like, um, what, what, what's going on? What's, what's happening right now? And they're going to step in. They're going to talk to my wife. They're going to talk to me. They're going to, you know, they're going to, the people I play with, and I'm guessing the people you play with, they're going to reach out to you and go, what's, what's wrong? Exactly. And, and, and that's the thing. Cause it's like, one of the things I like about role-playing games, I've met a lot of really good people through role-playing games. It's a social activity. And that's one of the things that I think we as role players, whenever we come face to face with someone who, you know, is, you know, is falling into this whole uh, line of belief that, you know, it's it's going to draw you into Satanism and witchcraft and demon worshiping and all that stuff. It's like, you know, no, we need to focus on the stuff where the positive aspects, you know, it, it, it gets, you can make a lot of friends in it. And not only that, the majority of role players, there are going to be those few that do take it too far, but most of them realize it's just a game and if we saw our friends, you know, being like, you know, okay, I'm going to cast a spell, as it says in the player's handbook, we'd be like, okay, dude, you need some help. Right. You know, it, it, it comes down to other things, too. I mean, you can look at any hobby. So um, you got guys that uh, play fantasy football for, for uh, just as an example, right? D&D for jocks. Well, yeah. I wasn't going to go there, but that's okay. <laughs> But these people, there are guys out there. I know people who drop five, six, seven, eight, a thousand dollars a season. They and, and when I say drop, I mean they don't win it back. They play these 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 you know fantasy games and lose money. You know what? If I lay down a thousand dollars, I'm getting something for it. And you know, I'm sure whether, if you yeah, whether I'm spending a thousand dollars to go to a big convention. Or I'm spending a thousand dollars in books. I'm going to have something that's longer than you know, and I'm not going to be mad that I laid down a thousand dollars to do either of those things. Now, your wife, on the other hand, well, yeah, that could be <laughs> that could get me killed. 
<laughs> he is dangerous. <laughs> yes, if you if you make your wife mad um, from spending too much money, yes, that that's probably the only way that D and D is going to get you killed. Whenever whenever I say to my wife, I think I need a new book. She comes downstairs. She looks at my one, two, three, four, <laughs> five books or five shelves on a bookshelf, and says, "No, you don't." And I say, but I don't have this one. And she goes, I don't care. So right now I'm kind of on a spending freeze when it comes to books. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, well, you know, old gamers never die. They just run out of shelf space, right? Uh, then you build more shelves. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, and, and and just like I said, the there was a lot of sensationalism around this time. Like, one of them, have you, are you familiar with the McMartin preschool trial? No. That was another one of those events during the satanic panic where there was this uh, preschool and, you know, they were being accused of using the children there in satanic rituals and, uh, you know, practicing other evil things. And eventually it turned out that, you know, all of it was a lie, of course. You know, the, the McMartins, they were doing absolutely nothing wrong. And, but unfortunately, the damage was kind of done and it pretty much, I mean, I, I don't know if it entirely ruined their career, um, but I think it did make people be a little more distrustful of their, you know, the, their child care providers. Well, you know, and, and here's the thing about all of the, all of these things that, were you know a a side effect of the san, the satanic panic is simply that it's it's not being knowledgeable about what you're talking about you know it was it was word of mouth i mean my mother got upset years later when we talked about it you know i said to her i said you know whatever she goes well i told um i was talking to some lady and she told me about this kid that killed himself and he was worshiping Satan, and I'm like, and where did you know it was all? It was always you know my 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 brothers, sisters, uncles, cousin, third time removed knew this guy who, who knew a guy, exactly. And it's like you know the 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 amount of and it, and it still happens today. Not knowing what you're talking about. Hell, I'm great at it. <laughs> yeah, and again with the, I mean, really. And again, going back to the how it specifically related to role-playing games, the reason that it was able to take such, you know, take such a root in society back then, is because since there was kind of this stigma, uh, stigma with playing role-playing games, and you know, the infancy and or you well, know, the hobby of role-playing games. I mean, you know. Nobody, nobody outside of that spectrum of the people that found it in the beginning knew what it was. And it was, it was, my, my thought is it was taking away, you know, somebody's husband found this game and him and his buddies play it. Now he doesn't spend as much time with his wife because he's off playing this Dungeons and Dragons, you know, and then she gets mad and says something and it just builds over a, a lack of knowledge is what it really comes down to in my estimation. Exactly. And, and again, at this time is since role-playing games were so young, there just wasn't a lot of good information out there. 
And of course, this was way before the internet became commonplace. So, you know, nowadays, if a parent finds out that, you know, their kid is into some role-playing game, it's, I think it's, well, I, I think the internet's kind of a two-edged sword. While it does make it easier to find information, you still got to be very careful about your sources. No, I mean, no, 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 you don't, Al. If it's on the internet, it's got to be true. Oh, that's right. There's this one website, The Onion. Their stories are 100% factual. Absolutely. So I'm sure. I get them the, all the time. I get all my news from The Onion. Oh, outstanding. And I'm sure if The Onion does an article about a group of Dungeons and Dragons players successfully summoning Tiamat, it's got to be true because it was on The Onion. Well, yeah. I mean. <laughs> Story like that would be on, it'd probably make Crack, too. You know, Crack's another one of those. Exactly. <laughs> and, I mean, but don't go to that, like, Snopes.com site. I mean, I hear that, like, they're, they're totally fake. So, you know, don't check them out. Just go to The Onion or, <laughs> yeah, other sites like that. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, you know. Yeah, and. No, it's, it's true. I mean, and as as the Internet gets older, people get wiser about what's real and what's not. But, you know, like, if, if I sat my dad in front of a computer and said, here, read about X, you know, read about Dungeons and Dragons, he'd go out to, you know, he'd go out to Google or whatever and type in Dungeons and Dragons. And my dad, I know my dad, well, he wouldn't know how to get to Google, but once I got him <laughs> to Google, you know, he'd be like, he'd pick the first article, regardless of what it was. Now, Dungeons and Dragons is probably a bad example because you're going to get Wizards of the Coast. Yeah. But... You know what I mean? He's just going to pick the first article on whatever it is. He's going to read it, and that's going to be his knowledge base. Exactly. And then, of course, depending on the information he feeds back to you, you might need to correct it. But, yeah, and um, and like I said, just to talk about how out of control and why you know some of these beliefs were, like I said, there was this belief that there was this you know, nationwide network of Satanists and in that Geraldo Rivera show that he did about, um, you know, devil worship. uh, He actually mentioned it. I think I, I, it's on YouTube. I saw it on YouTube a couple of years ago, so you you might be able to still find it, but yeah, he was saying that, um, you know, there's this nationwide network of Satanists and, you know, they're, they're after your children because they're either going to use them to breed, uh, you know, to breed babies for sacrifice there. They might sacrifice the kids themselves. And, you know, the the problem was when law enforcement agencies and, you know, actual, you know, scholarly organizations, I guess you could say, started looking into it, that's like, okay, well, now, don't get me wrong. Some of that stuff like, you know, kidnapping and human trafficking, it does happen. But they found that, you know, any cases of actual real Satanism were extremely rare. If there were cases that did involve those types of elements, it was actually better classified as pseudo-Satanism, where they were using the trappings and maybe like props or whatever that would imply that it was some kind of Satanic ritual, but they weren't, they didn't, you know, the, the people who were doing this they did it more as a way to instill fear in their victims as opposed to any actual belief that, hey, if I do this, you know, ritual for the glory of Satan, then, you know, I'm, he'll 
protect me from the cops or something like that. <laughs> you know, no, they weren't doing it for that. They were doing it because it made their, you know, their victims more afraid. Right. Yeah. And, it, and it's, it, it all comes back to a lack of knowledge. I mean, and, and most things, most things that are feared for whatever reason come back to a lack of knowledge. Exactly. And I think we've talked about this once when we were talking about the Necronomicon, because there was a version that was published by, I'm wanting to say, was it Walden? No, not Walden Books. I, I don't know. There was, I know there was a version of the Necronomicon. It been Walden Books. Yeah, and, it, and I remember, that's where we start hearing this stuff about the testimony of the Mad Arab and um, all sorts of other things. And I remember when my sister... Uh, you know, was she picked up a copy of that book and I was reading, you know, I was paging through it. At first I was kind of scared and stuff. But then I remember many years later taking a class on ancient Near East religions in uh, in college. And then it's like, wait a second. And I actually had a classmate in one of my classes who, you know, had heard about it and she picked up a copy of the book and she was kind of, you know, nervous about it, but I'm like, you know, I explained to her, it's like, no, a lot of the stuff in there, first of all, Cthulhu is a fictional deity, and right. second, a lot of the other stuff that he's referring to in there, it's from Sumerian and Babylonian mythology. So, oh, yeah. once you exactly borrowed a lot on that and all his stuff. Yeah, and once you understand something, it loses its power over you, it ceases to become frightening. Well, right, and it's like um, I don't know. Have you ever have you ever seen a, a satanic a sat a, a satanic Bible? Yes, I have. I actually I've had a couple of friends over the years who are satanists. And okay, they were actually nice people. Well, it's kind of funny. I've it's weird because I I when I was in college, you know, and I was at a bookstore in I want to say Minneapolis. I saw a copy of the satanic Bible. And, you know, all my life I've been told you can't, you, you can't, you can't look at it, you can't read it, you know. If you read the the commandments of the Satanic Bible, you know, you're going to become a Satanist. And, well, again, in that rebellious time of my life, I saw it, I picked it up, and I was, like, page through. And the, and the nine commandments of Satanism um, are right in the beginning of the book. And I'm kind of reading through them, and I'm going, you know, these are just more like, self self pleasure type things you know yep and as the years as i've studied different religions satanism is one of them because it is kind of fascinating to me yes i'm a catholic but it's still kind of fascinating to me and when you read it it's really more of a religion of the self versus them really worshiping any demon or any devil or satan exactly you know? and yeah that's the friends i've had who are satanists that's how they pretty much describe it. It's more like, you know, the most important holiday of the year, your birthday. And, you know, a lot of it was, you know, it's about me. And it's it's kind of funny. There was uh, this one um, satanic Satanist website I read once. And, you know, he was saying it's like, you know, a lot of it is okay. You, you know, this whole idea of cutting yourself and, uh, you know, burning yourself and stuff. That goes against Satanism because it's about pleasure, not pain. You know, you don't, 
you know, you don't seek pain, you seek out pleasure. And essentially, yeah, that's, you know, you know, so this whole idea of like, you know, Satanists going out and, you know, kidnapping children and breeding them to produce babies to sacrifice for Satan. No, it's, yeah, that's, uh, you know, the, the actual proven cases of that would be, I'd be surprised if there were even one or two. Yeah. If, if they exist, they're going to be minimal. Yeah. And so, and you know, part of the problem at this time is even if like police were investigating graffiti and they saw like an upside down cross or a, a pentagram, you know, they would conclude that to be, Oh, there's, there's satanic cult in the area, even though chances are a lot of that was just teenagers going through that rebellious phase. Right. And, and you know, the pentagram, it, it's meanings as you go back in history are so much more than, you know, Satanist, um, so much more than a summoning circle. It's just, you know, um, I believe it, it has a place in, um, uh, Greek uh, mythology as one of the god, you know, symbol of one of the gods. Yeah, that I'm not sure because the, I mean, uh, you know, a lot of people sometimes people confuse a pentacle and a pentagram, where the pentagram is the one with the, you know, the the, the top pointing down, and the pentacle is the one pointing up. I mean, right. I have friends who are Wiccans, and you know, that's what the pentacle is. It's the one with the star pointing up, and it's. I mean, it's got a different meanings depending on how you ask, but a lot right. of times it's supposed to symbolize, like you know, the, the the head and limbs of a human body and and other things like that. So, yeah, and just uh, I don't know. I mean, I'm just glad that for the most part we're past that. Where, granted, it is still easy to come across bad information because of the internet, but I think it's a little easier to kind of if you want to look for the truth, you can still try to find it. Yeah. The thing I found the, the way I, the way I like to use the internet is when I'm trying to find out something new, you know, like I heard something or I, or I, I get an interest in something and I want to know more about it is I don't read just one article. I don't look at just one website. You know, you, you go through it and as you read and you look and you start seeing the things that are all the same versus the things that, you know, there's, you go to one website and they're like, you know, A, B, C, D. And you go to another website and it's like B and D. And then you go to another website and it's like C, B, and D. And then all of a sudden, you know, A and that first website is starting to sound really like it doesn't belong. Yeah. You know, and you can get a fuller picture by going to different places, and and that's the beauty of the internet is it's it makes it easy. Yeah, I mean, I, I've heard it say that like, uh, you know, in the age of information, ignorance is a choice. Absolutely. So, well, do you think we've talked to the satanic panic to death for now? Have hopefully people are not panicked about it, and hopefully nobody's dead. Yes, hopefully. So. Well, um, I'd like to thank you for joining me, Chad. And of course, if uh, people want to hear more of some of your views and opinions, and if they want to hear more about you, from you, where can they find you? Right here on on, on this website where we're listening to you or to <laughs> us. Um, I just have a slightly different uh, title on there. Um, mine is uh, "Whose Podcast Is It Anyway?" It is a uh, it's a it's a fun little podcast I do weekly where 
I have a guest come in or a guest, I talk to a guest, and I have no idea what we're going to talk about until um, they tell me. I guessed the week before. Um, I have had, uh, well, there's 10 live right now, but I've done 13, 13 episodes, and so far I have gotten zero right. So, well, I, I don't haven't... know. On the, one, the last one I was on where we talked about Halloween, you were kind of close. Yeah, it was a kind of, sort of, but I'm not taking it. Okay. Well, the next time I'm on your show, I mean, it should be interesting because I've got a topic planned. So we'll see if uh, we'll we'll see if you get it right that time. I can give you a hint if you'd like. No, no hints. Okay. Okay. So yes, I've um, I've been known to force my way into Chad's show every now and then. So, well, I'd like to thank you all for listening. Uh, Don't forget if you want to download this. Not only can you do it at poigamestudio.podbean.com you can also download it through iTunes and also feel free to stop by Point of Insanity Game Studio on Facebook like the page and feel free to leave comments or if you've got suggestions for or ideas for topics you'd like to see us talk about in the future please feel free to submit those ideas and we'll you know certainly take them into consideration Oh, yes, and one last announcement before uh, we end the show here. November is NaNoWriMo, which is National Novel Writing Month. And my next few episodes during that month might be a little shorter than usual. I'm going to try to write another novel. I haven't decided whether I'm going to get to it or not, but basically the goal of NaNoWriMo is to see if you can write 50,000 words during the month of November. And I did it a few years ago and I did actually complete it. Um, I did write a book, which you can purchase on my store at drivethroughstuff.com called Sword of the Western Empire. And it was an afterpeak novel. It went into some of the details behind one of the characters that was mentioned in the Afterpeak Systemless Settings book. And I'm going to try to write another Afterpeak novel. I'm hoping to. We'll see if I manage to find the motivation for it. Well, man, I, I hope you do. Um, 50,000 words is a lot of words. Yep, that's true. So, I mean, you got to write like, I think it's like 1,500 a day or something. And the thing they always stress about NaNoWriMo is, you know, it's just start writing, you know, spend December doing your editing and revising, you know, right now you just want to get to that 50,000 word mark. So right. maybe I might do it. So uh, we'll, we'll have to see what happens in the next few days. So thanks again for listening and have a good evening or morning or afternoon, whatever it is, wherever you are and happy gaming.